Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com.
morning. Welcome to Peckway Church. Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you so much for being here today. My name is Scott Munson. I'm the worship pastor here at the church, and it is so great to always be uh, worshiping with you each and every week. Thanks again for being here today. Thanks for those of you who are viewing online. Uh, and online there in the chat window, you're going to find a link that you can click on this morning. And also in your bulletin is a great connection card. I'm going to invite you guys to go ahead and take that out. You can fill that out anytime during today's service. But that online link there and also that gray card, this is just simply a way that we can uh, open a line of communication together and share things. You can share prayer requests. You can ask uh, questions about Peckway Church. So uh, if you would, just take a moment to do that this morning. Also, if you're a first-time guest, you can simply take out your mobile phone and click on, I'm sorry, don't click on, but text the word hello to 717 872 Five six seven nine, and again, real simple and easy way to be able to connect with you guys. Also, that opens that, that line of communication through text, and so uh, just take a moment to do that as well. If you are a first-time guest as well, you can also pick up this book this morning. There's more information about it in your bulletin uh, there, but at the front desk, at the welcome desk, there's a book, uh, How Good is Good Enough, that we would like to, to put in your hands today if you are a first-time guest. If you're online and it's your first time with us as well, just drop us a line there. You can do that through that text, uh, or you can send us through the, the clicked, uh, link there in the chat window, and we'll be glad to get that book to you as well. Well, I want you guys to take a moment and uh, think about what your favorite food is, and then share that with your neighbor, and then we're going to talk a little bit more. So take like, mm, I don't know, 15 seconds, share your favorite food, and then we'll come back. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. So, uh, you know, we are what we eat is what they say, all right? So what we put in our bodies determines the health of our bodies. Well, the same thing for our minds. What we put in our minds, what we read, what we focus on, the things that we look at during the week um, tend to affect us, right? They start shaping and molding who we are. And so, um, you know, so thinking about that, what have you been feeding this week? In Matthew chapter 6, it says, Who by worrying can add to their life? Do not worry about tomorrow. Pagans run after these things. National emergency. Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Ice sheets are melting so fast. An interesting fact about humanity is that whatever you feed grows. Financial pandemic. If you feed your faith, it grows. If you feed your fears, they grow. It's all spiral very quickly. It's going to get worse. Some have to live and some have to die. Realize that our time is better spent talking to the Father than getting all worked up and reading and feeding our minds with the news and the media about what everybody is saying about how this is doom and gloom and how money, which we have hoped in, is lost. Hope not in money. Hope in your Father, your God, Jesus Christ, your Savior. Have your faith and use it. Walk according to it. Whatever you feed grows. This is the time to press into the church, lean into the church, to be surrounded by God's people. We can offer prayers for one another. We can offer hope to one another. We can speak words of truth to one another. If you feast on the word of God and you renew your minds around the truth, your faith, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you go to the news and you read article after article after quote after talking head and you continue to feed those fears, they grow and get bigger and bigger and bigger. Whatever you feed grows. Today, did you wake up this morning and feast on the word of God and go to him in prayer? Or did you feed your fears? Thinking about what we've been feasting on this week. You know, last week I showed you the video clip of Chicken Little and uh, how he was panicking. And I know this kind of brought us back a few years, right? 
with the pandemic and um, just how that panic and that fear could set in and we start trying to come up with ways how we're going to make ends meet. What are we going to do if we get sick? Those kind of things. But I want us to turn our minds towards Jesus this morning and focus on him. Isaiah 41.10 says, don't be afraid for I am with you. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And uh, so I want us to focus on him this morning. Think about him as we've gone through this series about fear and as Pastor Chris has shown us what God's word has said about how we can look to Jesus instead of our circumstances and the fears that are around us, uh, then we're going to keep steady on that path. God's word says don't look to the right or to the left, but keep our eyes on him, on that path that he set before us. And so, you know, this video talked about we can speak words of encouragement to each other. So I'm going to invite you to stand because we're going to sing about that together, that we can speak Jesus instead of the things that are fearful for us.
choice today to speak the name of Jesus. And it's because of the blood that he shed for us. And two verses of scripture remind us that he has brought us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We can find that in 1 Peter 2, 9, where he talks about us being his chosen people and that he uh, has set us aside to declare his praises. And that's what you're doing today. The Bible talks about being uh, overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, and that's what we are. If you know Jesus today, you are an overcoming, a comer. And also in Colossians 1.13, he talks about, or he says, it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his Son. So he has brought us from the kingdom of darkness into his glorious light. So let's continue worshiping him as we do that today, as we sing about his blood and we thank him for that today.
for his blood this morning and we can call on him we can just simply say Lord I need you if you're in that place today I encourage you to use this song as your prayer to him that you confess to him your need today that you would fall on him that you would lean on him let's continue singing think about the series, as I think about fears and how they still, no matter what it is that um, comes our way, God, and no matter 
what happens, we can fall on you. You are our strength, God. But Lord, I know sometimes we can get um, maybe sidetracked or disillusioned with our faith, Father. And we think when we come to you, Jesus, that it's going to be all uh, perfect, that everything will be um, just the road before us will be so smooth. And that's not always the case, God. Lord, you tell us to expect trials. And so, Lord, we know that that's not a surprise to you. We know that these last couple of years have been hard, and we still have fears that pummel us, God. The things that are a result of the pandemic and things such as that, Father. And so I pray this morning, God, whatever fears we're facing, maybe it's financial today, God. Uh, Lord, maybe it's health Maybe it's the loss of loved ones. Father, would you help those, would you speak to those fears today? May they be like the wind and the waves that are stilled at the sound of your voice, God. Would you speak peace over the fears that are in our hearts today, God? As we hear your word, Father, would you prepare our heart to look to you and to trust in you today? And I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Well, thank you, Pastor Scott and team, and good morning, Peckway Church, both everyone present here as well as everyone uh, watching online this morning. Well, we made it. Here we are at the end, part six, our final part of our series, Faith Over Fear. And uh, I just want to remind everyone, and I've said this uh, in conversation to some of you, um, throughout this series, uh, I just want you to know I'm preaching to myself up here as well. And uh, today, as we close out our series, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 28, verses 3 through 25. It's uh, not on your outline, but uh, it's going to be on the screen. Uh, but I'd encourage you to open your Bibles uh, to 1 Samuel 28. We're going to pick it up in verse 3. Now Samuel was dead. And all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and the spiritists from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem, while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid. Terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, But the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium so I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. So Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes. And at night he and two men went to the woman. Consult a spirit for me, he said, and bring up for me the one I name. But the woman said to him, Surely you know that what Saul has done, he has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? Saul swore to her by the Lord, As surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. Then the woman asked, Who shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? The woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. What does he look like? He asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. Then Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? I am in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams. So I have called on you to tell me what to do. Samuel said, Why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. 
The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. Immediately, Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he had eaten nothing all day and all that night. When the woman came to Saul and saw that he was greatly shaken, she said, Look, your servant has obeyed you. I took my life in my hands and did what you told me to do. Now, please listen to your servant and let me give you some food so you may eat and have strength to go on your way. He refused and said, I will not eat. But his men joined the woman in urging him, and he listened to them. He got up from the ground and sat on the couch. The woman had a fattened calf at the house, which she butchered at once. She took some flour, kneaded it, and baked bread without yeast. Then she set it before Saul and his men, and they ate. And that same night, they got up and left. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we just declared corporately, we need you. Lord Jesus, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. I pray for all of us gathered here in this place, as well as for those watching online, that you would, by your grace, fill us afresh with the gift and the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may understand your word, that we may understand what it is you're saying to us today, Lord. Touch our eyes that we may see, our ears that we may hear, and our hearts that we may have this understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe you can tell a lot about a person by seeing where they turn in difficult circumstances. How many of you remember the television character MacGyver? If you're not familiar or you don't remember, MacGyver was a TV character who seemed to be part detective and part special agent, and he would always find himself in difficult circumstances while trying to help another person out of a jam. However, it always seemed that to accomplish this, he would have to rig something up out of whatever materials he had on hand. In other words, he had to make something out of nothing. And there's kind of a, a running joke regarding the character MacGyver. And it goes something like this. MacGyver can get out of any situation. All he needs is a paper clip, a piece of tape, and a stick of chewing gum. A couple chuckles. Some of you are familiar. Now, perhaps when we think of the character MacGyver... We could think of the word ingenuity. Ingenuity is the quality or the character of being clever, original, or inventive. Now, this is something that is perhaps prized within our culture. We prize ingenuity. We lift up people who are ingenious, we could say. We seem to always be looking for ways to reinvent things. But I would suggest to us this morning that spiritually speaking, I don't believe that ingenuity is something that scripture holds up as a characteristic that God looks for in his people. What God looks for is men and women who will love him, trust him, obey him, and wait on him. Which leads us to our main point today. If we had to boil today's passage down into one point, I believe it would be this. Unchecked fear in our hearts can lead us to seek substitutes for God's word and God's will. Most likely at the core of this lies a desire for control, which is something that we addressed in last week's message. We actually are attempting in various ways to wrestle control away from God, all the while in that process we're missing what's really going on inside of us. And I think this description shines a light on what we see happening in King Saul in today's passage. And we're going to focus on, on two points today from this uh, passage in 1 Samuel, and then I want to end our entire series by drawing our focus on Jesus Christ. And that's where we'll end the, the second part of this message. And so the first thing that, that we see from this passage in 1 Samuel today is something that, that Scott was pointing us to. And that video, that second video we watched today uh, was, was really poignant and goes along with this wonderfully. And the first point is this. 
when we are focusing on our circumstances, that can actually increase our fear. Focusing on our circumstances can increase our fear. In other words, what are you feeding? Whatever you feed is the thing that will grow. Let me read verses 3 through 6 from chapter 28 again. Again, and this gives us the background, part of the, the picture of what King Saul is dealing with. It says, Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. Saul had expelled the mediums and the spiritists from the land. And we'll, we'll come back to that. That's just kind of an interesting detail that seems out of nowhere here. Verse 4. The Philistines assembled and came and set up camp at Shunem while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid and terror filled his heart. Verse 6. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams, by Urim, if you don't know what that is, in the, the priestly ephod, there was a pocket and there were two little items called the Urim and the Thummim, and they would kind of like cast lots and the priest would then determine, use those to determine what the Lord was saying. So that's what that is. And so let me just say, read that again. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or the prophets. So what's going on here? Samuel the prophet is no longer around. He's now deceased. The priests are no longer available. Those pesky Philistines are lining up for battle yet again, and the Lord is silent. This is Saul's circumstance here. And all of this is feeding Saul's fear, which is leading to panic. We're told in this passage that terror is filling his heart. And it's in light of this, it's, it's a, a picture for us that, that how we respond in difficult situations reveals what we truly believe. We have seen throughout this, this entire series that Saul is a man who is regularly seeking his own self-honor. He's trying to maintain his own power and authority. And he has not nurtured his walk with the Lord. Thus, ultimately, this is that moment of, of kind of finality in some ways. It's that moment that is, is everything that was said previously is finally now coming to fruition in its fullness for Saul and the consequences of the decisions that he has been making all along. It's the Lord's rejection and silence. And this goes back to chapter 13 and chapter 14 and so on and so forth. We've, we've seen all along how Saul has continually been guided by fear. And now this is where it has left him. And it's, it's interesting though for us as outsiders looking in, I can't help myself as I read through 1 Samuel just to ask that question, what if? What if Saul would have really repented along the way? What if Saul would have confessed genuinely and turned back to the Lord? But tragically, he doesn't. And for us, Saul then is a picture, a tragic picture of a life that is continually lived by someone seeking their own well-being, seeking their own fame, seeking to make their name great rather than seeking to use the song we just sung, seeking to make the name of Jesus great. He's continually guided by fear all the way to the end. And if we were to read the last few chapters, it would, we'll see that it would be even out of fear that he tragically takes his own life on the battlefield. Friends, this is a, a, a moment for us to just focus on the importance of focus. What are you focused on? Because whatever you're focused on, that's, that's the direction your life is going to go. There's an athletic principle, right? Whether it's, whether it's a, a snowboarder who is going down a slope and, and hitting a ramp and their goal is to spin and do a 360 maneuver or a, a whitewater kayaker attempting to, to uh, do the Eskimo roll and flip their kayak back up or whether it's a gymnast looking to land uh, um, um, uh, 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 yeah, just lost my train of thought. 
whether it's a gymnast who's like on the uneven bars and they're doing their uh, dismount, right? Doesn't matter. That principle is true in all of sports. And that principle is this. Where your head goes, your body's going to go. If that snowboarder hits that jump and tries to do a 360 by just turning their hips, they're not going to make it. If that gymnast is not leading with their head and spotting their landing ahead of time, it's not going to look pretty. If, in, if you're trying to roll that kayak up and your head's just not in the right position, guess what? You're, you're going to go right back under. Right? That snowboarder, again, if they're going to spin, they're going to lead with their head. Because if you lead with your head, then your body follows. Right? And so, spiritually speaking, the same thing is true. It's the same, tr- it, it's the same true principle When it comes to our walk with the Lord, what are you focused on? Where your heart is, Jesus says, is where your treasure is. In other words, what has your focus? Because whatever has your focus has you. Whatever has your focus has you. Are you focused on your fear or are you focused on the Lord? Right? I I can't help but think of uh, the... New Testament example of Peter from the Gospels. The story goes like this. Peter and the disciples are in a boat. Jesus sent them on ahead. And it's late at night, middle of the night. And Jesus, we're told, stayed back for some solitude and silence. Some time of prayer. And it's the middle of the night. And Jesus then begins to walk out on the water to the disciples as they're in a boat. And we're told that when the disciples see Jesus, they... They're afraid. They think it's a ghost walking on the water. But then Jesus calms them and says, no, it's, it's me. It's okay. Don't be afraid. And Peter, in good Peter fashion, has to say something. And he says, if it's you, Lord, then tell me to come out onto the water with you. And Jesus just simply says, come. Just imagine that for a moment. Imagine this moment. Here's Peter. On the, this is, I just envision him like holding on to the edge of that boat. And he steps the leg over that boat. And it doesn't, his foot doesn't sink. And he takes that second leg and puts it over the boat. And he's standing on the water. And he begins to walk on the water and the passage points out to us that as he's walking on the water where is his focus it is on Jesus but then the passage tells us that he gets distracted by the wind and the waves and he takes his eyes off of Jesus and that is when he begins to sink down into the water And then he cries out to the Lord, Lord Jesus, save me. And Jesus reaches out and grabs him by the hand and pulls him back up. And then they get back into the boat together. Now, I share that because that's a a wonderful picture from the ministry of Jesus himself, where from that passage, it's all about our focus. As Peter was able to focus on Jesus, he was able to walk on the water with Jesus. But when he turned and focused on the wind and the waves, that's when he began to sink. Friends, our focus matters. What has your heart has you. Yes, we acknowledge our fear. Yes, we acknowledge difficulties. We don't just simply like brush them aside. But it's as we're walking through those things, the thing that is going to get us through those moments is our focus on Jesus. Our focus on Jesus. Which leads us to our second point. When fear overwhelms us, we can be tempted to take matters into our own hands. And this is what Saul does. In light of his situation, in light of his fear, he begins to, back to our main point, he he seeks a substitute for God's word and God's will. Look at verse 7. Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium so that I may go and inquire of her. There is one in Endor, they said. Now, that's why we have that that 
seemingly awkward statement in verse 3, it seems to be out of place that Saul himself expelled all the, the mediums and spiritists out of the land. Perhaps that might be one thing we could look at and say that was a, a positive thing that Saul actually did during his kingship. But even now here, it shows us, though, that how far he's turned and how far he's actually going as a result of his fear. That's something that, that the Lord says through Moses and through various other places of Scripture that, that we are not to turn to such people. We are not to turn to such things. This is where Saul is now turning in his fear to try to get some direction for his life. I couldn't help but remember um, an, an older saint, uh, Reverend Richard Gabriel, he, when we lived up in the northern Poconos, he was a, an elder retired pastor who uh, was part of our church family up there, and, and I would often meet with him and pray with him, and, and um, he was giving me some advice one day when I, I came to him with a question, and his advice, I'll never forget it, is very simple. His advice was this, when in doubt, don't. When in doubt, don't. And here's what, here's what Richard Gabriel meant by those words. He was essentially saying, don't move faster than what the Lord has revealed to you. Don't move faster. Don't move ahead of what God has shown you. Because this is something that fear will tempt us to do. Fear will try to persuade us to move ahead on our own. Essentially, we become spiritual MacGyvers. And where we begin to look for whatever we have at hand to put it together in order to move ourselves forward rather than waiting and trusting and relying on God to open the way for us to move forward. When we do this, when we give in to that temptation, we often employ less than godly means in the process. As we just pointed out, King Saul turns to a medium, a spiritualist, a, a necromancer. Something that's forbidden for the, for the Lord and, or by the Lord for his people. And herein lies the problem. As I said, we move ahead of God. And when we, I would suggest that when we move ahead of God, we're actually robbing him of his glory. How do we do that? I believe when we move ahead of God, we're actually stripping from God a potential moment of opportunity for Him to work in our lives. And in that work, He works in a way that reveals Himself and He reveals His will, not just to us, but when God works in somebody's life, He works in a way that reveals to multiple people who He is. Think about all the miracles in the Scriptures very rarely are they just done in front of one person. They are done in front of multiple people, if not hundreds or thousands of people. Because when God works, God wants to be known to people. He's revealing himself through how he works. And when, but when we move ahead of him, we're potentially stripping that opportunity. And really taking the glory for ourselves. Turn in your um, Bibles to Isaiah chapter 50. This is a, I, I believe, a, a clear and powerful statement from God about this very principle. Isaiah 50 verses 10 and 11, the final two chapters of that verse. It's also in your outline, I believe. These two verses, God speaking through his prophet Isaiah says, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. But now, all of you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and the torches you have set ablaze. This is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. And so in verses 10 and 11 here in Isaiah 50, what we have is two contrasting points. In the first one, in verse 10, it, we're, what we're seeing here is essentially somebody who has a healthy fear of the Lord. Look at the language in that verse. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? 
Let the one who walks in the dark and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. When you are in a dark moment and you can't see enough light for that next step, what Isaiah the prophet is saying here is that it's in those moments that we don't take matters into our own hands, that in those dark moments we need to continue to trust the Lord. We need to continue to rely on the Lord because even if we feel like there's not enough light to show us the next step to take, it doesn't mean that God is not present with us in that moment. He is. That's why we can't rely on our our feelings. Our feelings can be good, but our feelings can also be misleading. We need to be rooted in the truth of Scripture because the truth of Scripture reveals to us the heart of God. It reveals to us the character of God, who He is. So again, we need to get this word into into our hearts, right? And so... Notice that language. It's all about the the man or the woman relying on God, even if we can't see the next step. Now, compare that, contrast that with verse 11. But now all of you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches. Oh, I'm in the dark. I'll I'll just make my own light. That's what's being said here. God says through the prophet, go walk in the light of your fires and the torches you have set ablaze. You want to walk by your own light? Go ahead. You're free to do that. But just know this. There's a consequence. This is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. Friends, Saul in this chapter in 1 Samuel 28, Saul is a picture of what Isaiah the prophet is saying here in verse 11. Saul, by going to the medium of Endor, is walking by his own light. He's not trying to rely on the Lord here. An Old Testament scholar named Bill Arnold just reminds us of this, and I have this on the outline for you. He says, Christians must attend to that most important of all relationships so that in our own moment of crisis, which is inevitable for us all, we can face God with confidence and hope. And friends, it's vital for us to learn to continually look to Jesus at all times. Because Jesus himself teaches us how to face our fear head on. Jesus himself teaches us how to face our fear head on. Now, if you would, turn with me to Matthew's gospel, chapter 26. And this is where we will end our our time together today. Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right before he's arrested and tried unjustly and nailed to the cross. Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man has delivered us is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. I think the first thing that we can glean from Jesus about facing our fear head on here is the important reminder that we cannot stand alone. 
We cannot stand alone. We're not called to stand alone. We are created for community. That's what the church is. The church is family. We're, we're called to do life together, side by side, shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm. In verse 38, look what he says. Jesus says to Peter, James, and John, who he takes into the, the uh, garden, takes them further into the garden than the other nine, or the other eight at that time. He says, keep watch with me. Keep watch with me. A reality of our lives is that we will at some point all walk through dark and difficult times. Jesus experienced this, the Garden of Gethsemane moment. He was heading to the cross. And so something that I, I hope and pray that we all take away today is that we all need other mature believers to stand with us, to walk with us, to encourage us, to remind us of biblical truth, and to help us continually focus on Jesus Christ. Who are those people in your life? Whose voices are you listening to in these moments? Remember, where you focus, where your head goes, your body will follow. Secondly, spiritual disciplines are invaluable tools to help us stay focused on the Lord. Jesus utilizes spiritual disciplines in this moment. If you don't know what spiritual disciplines are, it's fasting, prayer, um, silence, solitude, practicing Sabbath. Those things are, there's, those aren't all of them, but those are spiritual disciplines. Jesus says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Why do we engage spiritual disciplines? Because we admit that our flesh is weak. And so we need to focus on the spirit. The spiritual disciplines are tools to help us stay focused on the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus knows and understands this. He knows and understands us better than we do ourselves. And so it's in these moments Jesus knows that we are ripe. We are prone to give in to temptation. So what will it take to stand firm? Primarily, it will take urgent prayer. Urgent prayer. Three times, we're told in this passage, three times in the garden, Jesus fell on his face before the Father in urgent prayer. When we fall on our knees before the Father, this demonstrates a reliance upon him, not a reliance upon ourselves. And Jesus invites us as his disciples to pray with him in these dark moments. Friends, I believe a faithful community is a praying community. A faithful community is a praying community. Spiritual disciplines like prayer are things that foster a deep and lasting relationship with the Lord. And so I just simply ask today, what spiritual disciplines are a regular part of your practice? And third and lastly, Jesus teaches us that we need to seek the Father's will at all times. Three times when he prays, he prays the same thing. In verse 39, verse 42, and verse 44, he says, Your will be done. In this dark and difficult moment, Jesus prays that three times. Not that his own will would be done, but that the Father's will would be done. So for us, even in those dark moments... Even when we feel like we cannot see, we're called to rely upon the Lord and His will. Even when we have no idea what's to come, we walk in trust and obedience, praying that His will be done. How can we do this? We remember together who God is. We remember together that He is faithful and true. We remember together that he has promised never to abandon us or forsake us. He himself is the one who is all-powerful. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who provides. He is Jehovah Nisi. He is the God who hears. We could go on and on and on. We need to remember who he is in those dark moments. And we don't do that alone. We do that together as we seek his will. So in closing... Friends, it's by the grace of God 
that I would encourage us to let's stop trying to be spiritual MacGyvers and make our own way. And instead, let us lean into an ever-deepening relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, keeping our focus solely on Him, because that's how we will stand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you and praise you for the time together as a church spent in 1 Samuel. And Father, as we look at the sad and tragic example of King Saul, I pray that this would be just branded deep in our hearts and in our minds that we would not suffer the same fate, that we would be your family. We would be a community of believers that is learning to walk arm in arm, hand in hand, continually pointing one another to the reality of the cross, the empty tomb, and your unshakable kingdom, no matter what we're going through. Help us to focus on you. Father, thank you for the work that you're doing in and through this church. Father, I want to pray for anyone in this place. Perhaps there's somebody here, somebody watching online who has yet to, to know this truth, to know this reality that, that we don't have to live a life of fear. But even when fear does come, when anxiety begins to, to well up, we have you. And even in the midst of that, we can walk in your peace, that peace that guards hearts and minds and transcends all understanding. Father, if there's anyone in this place or watching online today that does not yet know that peace that comes from Jesus Christ, I pray today would be the day of their submission to your kingdom. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, church. Thank you, Chris, for that message. And as we uh, are wrapping up this series today talking about fear, I just wanted to encourage you and give you some next steps uh, as we leave today. But a couple of things that we can do uh, as a result of what we heard today, that not going things alone. And a great way to not do that is by joining a small group. There's information. There's a ladies' small group that's going to be starting in September. I know we have some other groups that will be coming up with uh, something that we'll be doing a little bit later, a new series that's coming up, that you'll have the opportunity to join with other Christian men and women to help you uh, be accountable so that you don't go that alone. The second thing I want to say is those spiritual disciplines. Practice that this week. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Feel free to take that today. Um, go online. You can Google uh, biblical passages on fear and how we can overcome fear. Listen to songs this week that are going to help you overcome fear. Pray. If you don't know how to pray, use the song that we used, or that last song we sang this morning, Lord, I Need You. That is a prayer that we sang together. Do those kind of things to help you practice those spiritual disciplines this week. Uh, and then the final thing, we can also worship God through our giving. I thank you so much on behalf of the church for the gifts and tithes and offerings that you give. And we make that uh, available every week for you to do. If God lays it on your heart, you can do that uh, digitally, online, through our website. There's envelopes at the back of the room if you want to give in person. Um, but thank you so much. I'm going to ask that we put the give link in the chat window there as well. Thank you so much for your attention today. It's been great worshiping with you, and I do hope to see you again next week. You guys have a great day.